Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Housewife in Training. It's your girl, Orhe, and Happy New Year! What day is it today? Let me check my phone. It's January 7th, so it's actually been a week since New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. And you know, as they say, New Year, New Me. So we'll see what this year has in store uh, for all of us. It's been almost a year since I started this podcast. I'm a little disappointed in myself because I've only released 10 episodes. And um, hopefully this year I can dedicate much more time. My life was pretty crazy last year, but we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Last time I posted on my story that I was going to release an episode that I was really nervous about. And, you know, after much anxiety and deliberation, I finally decided I'm, I'm not going to, or maybe just not right now. To be honest, it's something I really want to talk about because it plays such a huge role in my life and my community, but I don't think I'm ready for whatever backlash I'd receive. Um, but I will be talking about sex today. What? I bet this is also going to make some people uncomfortable, but I'd much rather be talk shit about for things I say on this topic versus things I say about something else. So, um, but oh, but before I talk about sex, I want to talk about happiness and what better time to talk about happiness than the new year, right? Yeah. Um, so last year, or I should say 2021 around August, I started writing in a journal every morning at work. I would come into my office and the first 15 minutes I would just spend writing whatever came to my mind. At this time, I was going through something really annoying in my life. Uh, Ted being so far away made it really hard on me some days. And on top of that, looking back, I was extremely unhappy with my job. I was the type of person who did everything like how I was supposed to do, if that makes sense. I knew I wanted to work with children with disabilities, so I never had a second guess of my major in college. I never explored any other field or area. I made sure to get straight A's and 4.0 GPAs. I went straight to my master's after um, my undergrad, and after a year graduating with my master's, I finally got my behavior analyst certification. At this time, I was working for the same company for like six years. And after COVID, as with many people, I really reflected on whether or not I even liked my job and what I chose to do. I felt like the world and everyone in it stopped spinning for a whole year during 2020, but I kept going, right? I worked for an agency that provided therapy to children with autism. So we were considered medical providers and essential workers. Our company didn't shut down. We didn't have a break. We were constantly being threatened if we didn't follow social guidelines. It was just horrible. And in a lot of ways, I was, I guess, kind of jealous of those who got that year off and were able to start new and fresh with their career. Before COVID, guys, like I told myself and my employer at the time, I am never leaving my job. I truly thought I'd be the type of worker that stuck with the company for their whole career. And before COVID, I felt like that was kind of a more normal thing, whereas now it's all about like leave a job every three years to keep growing and, and blah, 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 making more money. I was even the type of person that said, I don't care how much I get paid as long as I'm happy with my job. I mean, working with children with disabilities is one of the most rewarding jobs ever. And people who work in this field tend to be more motivated by their passion than by a money value. I also thought I owed my career to my company. You know, they really gave me some wonderful opportunities, not many in my field experience. So I thought, well, 
I can't leave them. They treat me so well. Well, boys and girls, was I so very naive. I thought all of this, I thought like this, I should say, around when I was like 23, 24. Now fast forward to after COVID, where I was older, wiser, with more experience. I figured out you don't owe shit to any job or company. I don't care what field you are in, working for a nonprofit, feeding the homeless. I don't care. The world revolves around money, and you, you just need to realize that. Businesses revolve around money. Although a business may be doing good deeds and providing good services that helps the lives of others, at the end of the day, it's all about money. So all the crap I was feeding myself about how you have to work somewhere you truly love every day so it doesn't feel like work, or I don't care how much I get paid as long as I love what I'm doing, or, you know, I want to work here forever because this job has been so good to me. That all went down the freaking drain. I went down a pretty depressive episode. Um, Actually, I want to take that back. It wasn't so much depression. I mean, I was going to therapy, but I didn't... I wouldn't say I met the DSM criteria for depression. And obviously, the entire world was also in such a rut with their lives that it's not like my experience was so unique. But I just felt like after COVID, I changed a lot of my mindset and my perception of happiness. Happiness to me was attributed to achievements and things for me. Study, Jorge, and you'll be happy when you pass your test. Get good grades, Jorge, you'll be happy when you have a 4.0. Be top of your class, you'll be happy when you're recognized by your professors. Get a master's degree, you'll be happy with the career opportunities you'll be provided. It was just so engraved in me that life was going to be full of happiness as long as I stuck with what I needed to do to be successful. And it worked. I mean, I consider myself successful in my career, but at the end of the day, it didn't bring me happiness. And guys, I'm doing a job that I recognize is rewarding in and of itself. And I felt this way. How the heck do people feel when they're working jobs like accounting when it's not maybe like rewarding as it is? You think an accountant wakes up every morning saying like, I can't wait to crunch the numbers. I mean, maybe some do. And, you know, I don't know if that's a good example. But going back to me, I stopped viewing my job as a source of happiness because COVID proved to me that I could be working the best job ever, but it doesn't matter. I was working my butt off for that company just so I can prove myself. I realized none of it mattered. I had this conversation with my friend Fiona where we stopped thinking our jobs were going to make us happy, but instead started viewing our jobs as a means to support our happiness. I want to be able to take care of my family, have a nice home, be able to buy good food, go on vacations, be able to buy myself Starbucks whenever I want. To me now, it's such BS when people say money doesn't buy happiness. Like, okay, I shouldn't say money is everything. I really shouldn't. But, you know... If you're working in a similar field like mine, like social work, or maybe you're a therapist, or just kind of any human service field, that whole, I don't care about how much you pay me, I love my job, only lasts so long. Because the world doesn't allow you to think like that. You can't afford to think like that. Eventually, you're going to care about how a place is treating you, how much you're putting in for little pay, and you're going to get to a point where you just want to quit your job. I could have been making so much more money if I had left my job a while ago, but I didn't even allow myself to think like that because I didn't want to be one of those people who seemed like they were chasing money. But guys, you know, reality is I'm married. 
I want a family. I want to give my future children the world. I want to be able to go on vacation without needing a strict budget. I want to be able to put my mortgage and bills on auto payment and not have to worry about overdrafting. And if you're younger and listening, this may not mean anything to you right now, but I promise you this stuff gets real and it gets real fast. Beginning of 2022, I started looking for new jobs. I interviewed at three and got a job offer for one of them. Um, And I left the company I was at for seven years uh, a couple months ago. Now I work most days no later than 3.30. I get winter break, spring break, and summers off. I have amazing benefits and (laughs) I am making so much more than I was making before leaving my other company. So going back to happiness, I'm not saying leaving my job is directly what contributed to happiness, but I'm someone who hates change. I love rigidity in my schedule. Everything in my life has been predictable and according to plan. You have no idea how hard it was for me to finally accept I needed to look for another job. And you have no idea how much harder it was to submit a letter of resignation. But for what seems like the first time ever in my life, I went kind of off my plan. I made a change. I chose to do something specifically to benefit me without letting the weight of how I would make others feel stop me from doing it. Because again, going back to approval, I didn't want to lose the approval of my you know, previous employer. And, you know, look at me now, although my job freaking sucks some days, the decision ultimately led me to have a better work-life balance. If any of you are like me and thrive on predictability and are scared to make drastic changes, please, please, please take it from me. You will not regret it. I promise you will be so much more happy knowing you did something out of the ordinary and for yourself that will better your future in the long run, you know, or not. You may hate everything about new change. And if that's the case, you did not listen to this episode. All right, now let's talk about what you're actually here to listen to. I just want to take a second to acknowledge what a big deal it is for me to say the word sex out loud for all ears here and talk about it so casually. And, you know, I need you all to know that usually when I talk about my upbringing, I want to say I'm like maybe 5% of the Assyrian population who just had really, really strict and traditional parents in America. I'm not saying other people didn't have strict parents, but I think like my, many people may not relate exactly to the experiences I went through and how my parents think. And, you know, I think it's just because my parents' personality, they pride themselves in their culture, traditions, and really uphold these crazy standards that I would say more so relate to the generation above me, not so much maybe my generation or the generation, you know, below me. But anyways, I don't care what generation or parents you have. I can confidently say that Middle Easterners do not talk about sex openly. We don't. And if your parents did, then you're like the top 1% of the population. There's a lot of shame and embarrassment surrounding this topic. When it is talked about, it's usually talked about how it's something you do when you're married or like it's a sin if you do it before marriage. And if you're anything like me, some of our parents didn't let us participate in the sex education lessons at school. So you had to learn the Dewey Decimal System and put your librarian's books away. (laughs) True story. 
I just want to give a little statement saying I respect everyone's beliefs and values and my intentions are never to offend anyone. But with any conversations you're having about an opinion, yes, these are my opinions and experiences. There's going to be people who disagree. And with disagreements come like emotional reactions to the point where some people just may not like anything I'm saying. But I grew up with a lot, a lot of shame concerning this topic, especially being a woman. My brother would have a very different experience to share being a man and all. I'm here just talking about my experiences. And if I can have just one person benefit from hearing what I have to say, then, you know, that's all that matters. Okay. Growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch anything with kissing or portraying affection from a husband to a wife or a boyfriend to a girlfriend or whatever. My parents quite literally told me affection is for the bedroom. Like when I asked them why they don't hold hands or kiss, uh, they never held hands. They never kissed on the lips, cuddled with each other or anything. I mean, my parents showed me personally a lot of affection, but I never witnessed it in them when I was younger because, again, it was something embarrassing to do in front of people or that's how they viewed it. Showing affection was so discouraged that I'm pretty sure some family members told my newly married uncle not to show affection to his wife in front of us, as in like, don't put your arm around her or whatever. Yeah, guys, I'm aware that that was extreme, but very on theme with other things in my childhood, right? Um, I wasn't allowed to watch Lizzie McGuire or Boy Meets World. And can we all agree that Boy Meets World was probably the most like innocent, very Christian friendly show? I'm pretty sure there's a whole episode on how Topanga wants to wait until marriage to have sex. But in my parents' head, that saying monkey see, monkey do was like engraved. They just thought anything we'd watch they didn't approve of would make us want to do it. And, you know, I wish I could say they didn't know that when you restrict something so much, it makes you want to do it more because they did. There's even an Arabic saying for it. They taught me like, I think it goes, Kul I don't know my Arabic very well. So um, excuse me, <laughs> I didn't say that right. But it basically means something along like if you're going to want to do something, you're, you're going to want to do something, the more it's restricted. Anyways, so yeah, certain shows were banned. Affection between adults was taboo. We weren't allowed to attend sex education in in lessons in school. Um, And just with the way they would talk about others who kiss in public, it was very clear that this was a very bad, bad thing to do. Before I continue, I also want to mention that my parents never, ever used the word sin or told me these things were ungodly, ever. Religion wasn't involved pertaining to this topic or any topic my parents really disapproved of. They never used like hell to scare me. Whenever my parents felt strongly about something, they always spoke of it from like a values, ethics, and philosophical point of view of how humanity should behave. So shame surrounding sex didn't stem from you're going to hell if you do it point of view. It stemmed from bad people do this. And if you want to be a good person, you don't do it. In fact, I'm pretty sure my mom once told me that if people don't wait until marriage to have sex, they are no better than animals. The only reason I say this is because a majority of Australians are Christian and religious. So a majority of people's views about whether sex is wrong stems from their belief, obviously, that sex is a sin before marriage, With I, which I think, in all honesty, like it doesn't matter at the end of the day how my parents viewed it or how religion views it, because both means sex before marriage is bad and you shouldn't do it. And you know what's crazy? Well, I guess it's not really crazy, but like when I got older and a little bit, you know, in high school, everything my parents taught me and, you know, youth group, like it had zero effect on how I viewed sex. I never believed sex was something that was going to damn you to hell or people who had sex before marriage were worse than animals. 
The only reason I had so much shame or embarrassment around it was knowing that, you know, if people found out someone did it, it would be like social suicide. And maybe part of it stemmed from a defiant mindset or the fact that my brother did not get any of that type of influence like I did in high school. So I caught on very early on how some things were excusable if he did it, but inexcusable if I did it, which I can talk about the difference between how me and my brother were treated growing up for like hours. But okay, so before Ted, I had two other boyfriends, one at 14 and one at 16. I talked to guys in between, but only got the only guys I think I ever kissed were my two boyfriends and another guy from my youth group, but I never kissed any of the other guys I talked to. Yeah. And to anyone who's young and listening, or maybe you're older and reflecting back, Being a teenager is both the best and worst experience of your life. At no other points in your life are you ever going to feel so young and free from responsibility, and you'll only know that once you're older, but also no other point in your life are you being so tested. I mean, quite literally, your brain is not developed enough to make logical, clear decisions. Emotions and hormones are the number one players in your life here, and navigating them is a battle, especially when you start dating or just growing an interest for others in an intimate way. I think research shows that you have a sexual awakening at the age of 15, whatever that means. I just Googled something and it showed up. Um, And then the average age a person loses their virginity is 17. 17, guys. That is so, so young. But just knowing how emotions and hormones affect someone's decisions at that age, it's really not that shocking. Um, Now with raging hormones and emotions, add on a dark cloud of guilt, overthinking, and hating yourself. Because a lot of Australian girls I know who did do something intimate with someone were eaten alive by their emotions, constantly thinking what they did made them a whore, then worrying about whether the boy is going to tell his friends, and then whether it's going to get to the parents. I mean, for many, those thoughts alone holds them off from doing anything with anyone. I don't know every girl's story and experience, but I can assume that a lot of us have gone through these moments between temptation and guilt. Personally, I can confidently say I never did anything that I have regretted. And for really one reason, I was in a long-term relationship at a young age, and my motto has always been, if I loved someone at one point, then nothing I did with them during that time that I love them is regrettable. But I understand, obviously, not everyone can think like that. But I'm here to tell you what happened in your teenage years won't matter in the next 10 years, you know, for the for the most part. For some, it does. But for a, lo- a lot of others, they can just, you know, grow and learn from their experiences. And that that's the biggest takeaway is that you learn from your experiences. Moving on to talk about, you know, social media and just society in general, I feel like now we're just pushed to think having values is old school. Guys, I could absolutely care less what other people do. I truly don't. But do I think how we talk about sex now is dangerous to young people? Yes. I mean, all I hear now on podcasts and TikToks are about how you shouldn't care about your number. Screw anyone you want. Play them before they play you. I mean, like that whole call her daddy era really emphasized that sex needs to stop being um, something you're ashamed of and that we can do whatever we want to make us happy and feel good, right? And while I agree with some parts of it, I also just think we as emotional beings are not there yet. 
A 17-year-old should not be made to feel like sex has no repercussions on your physical, mental, and physiological health, all of the above. I'm going back to teenagers here because, again, who's the main player in all decision-making? The frickin' amygdala, which is the part of the brain associated with emotions, impulse, and instinctive behavior. If you're into Freudian psychology, it's the id of our ego and superego. I truly believe you should never make a decision when you're angry or extremely sad and same with when you're experiencing a very happy moment. And people forget that although happiness is a positive emotion, it's still an emotion and emotions cloud judgment. Ted may hate me for using him as an example, but he is someone who gets like super trigger happy and um, makes impulsive decisions when he's very happy that he may later on regret. And, you know, the opposite side of it, I can sometimes make decisions when I'm sad that I may later on regret. But it's very hard for me to believe that we as humans right now living in this society have enough control over our emotions to believe that, you know what, you can have sex with anyone and not have repercussions. You can hook up with this person and not care about them the next day. Or you can be a person who engages in sexual behaviors freely without any effect on your mental health. I don't know how many studies can be done to prove that people having sex can result in emotional attachments and that people need to tread lightly when having casual sex or casual hookups. Now, on the other side of the coin, sex can be extremely healthy. It plays a huge role in relationships. It can be healing. It can make a couple more connected. It can make you more in tune with your body. Um, it can make you more outspoken, give you more confidence. There's there's a lot, a lot of good. In fact, I would go as far to say that there's maybe more good than bad, but one done responsibly. And what do I mean by that? I think I bring this up in every single one of my episodes, self-awareness. If there's ever a moment you need to be self-aware of your state of mind, it's when deciding to engage in a sexual act. And you don't have to be 16 to relate to this. You can be 45 and single and, you know, need to hear this. Because one thing I've learned, God, there are so many adults who have absolutely no self-awareness. So here's my advice. Never, ever engage in something during an emotional state. Fear, anxiety, impulsive happiness, anger. I was doing some research for this episode and I was just gathering some questions you should ask yourself before making a decision to hook up with someone. And, you know, by the way, hooking up with someone can look very different. For some, it means like full blown sex. For others, it means just a makeout session. I don't know. But I think for all of it, these questions are very important for you to ask. And number one question I think you should ask yourself is what does sex mean to me? If you are very religious and or just religious and you want to save yourself from marriage and that is a value of yours, do not let society persuade you to think otherwise. And do not let your partner convince you to go outside of what you believe. There is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to wait until marriage. And if you're with someone who's not accepting of that, then this goes beyond just sex. It comes down to how you're choosing to live your life and how you're with someone who's choosing to live against it. Now, if you're not religious, sex to you may be something you believe should only be done with someone you love and someone you're in a relationship with. My point here with this question is that you shouldn't engage in something you have not established a value or belief on. In my opinion, and you may not agree, 
you are not mature enough to make a decision on something you do not have a strong foundation on, you know, if, and to some people, Hey, sex means fun. And if you truly see it like that, then that's great for you. But at least, you know, where you stand around this topic. Question number two, do you respect and trust the person you're going to be with intimately? And this question can go into so many sub discussions, but trust and respect is such a huge factor in all types of reciprocal relationships. Someone can have healthy, casual sex with someone they trust and someone that respects them without feeling ashamed or guilt afterwards and without really needing anything more from that person. Maybe you value your privacy and need to trust that this person won't go tell their friends what you two are doing. Maybe you need someone to respect how far you're willing to go when getting intimate, which means that you trust that person not to pressure you into something more. So many people have regrets around their sexual experiences because of the lack of respect they felt from their partner and the lack of trust. All right, question three, what do I expect from sex? Huge self-awareness question here. I'm not saying there aren't people who can have sex without wanting or needing something more, but I think you need to assess that in yourself. Are you wanting something more with this person? Please, guys, ask yourself this. You need to. If the answer to this question is yes, and the other person has made it clear that they are not giving you more, then listen to them. Having sex with them is not going to change their mind. Let this be a virtual slap to your face if you think otherwise. I'm not going to speak more on this question because it's just going to piss me off. All right. Last question. Question four. Am I able to communicate my wants and needs? Half the reason people aren't able to engage in healthy sexual behaviors is because they don't know how to communicate. You have to be able to communicate what you're willing and not willing to do, what you want and don't want. I swear if sex education was taught like this in school, less teenagers would be making impulsive decisions. Obviously, abstinence-only teaching or, I don't know, like threatening internal damnation has not been effective in refraining teenagers from having sex, right? And I'm not saying we're ever going to get to a point where teenagers are going to stop having sex. That is just so unrealistic. But maybe by focusing on these type of questions, more would think before they act. I don't know. I just feel like social media now is like pushing people to act more on instinct and be a little bit more impulsive and not care for the consequences of actions instead of teaching or preaching how to make smart and safe decisions. And if more adults would take effort in getting to know themselves and engaging in good mental health practices, less would find themselves in unbeneficial relationships that just cause more hurt and pain. I think I will always also go back to never do anything out of pressure. That's what leads to those negative feelings. When you make a decision because you believed it would save something or you thought it would earn you more love. Now, do I think it's unfair that women who are sexually active are looked down upon? Absolutely. Yes, I think that part of society needs to change, especially in our culture. I am very thankful to have had a brother that, although was given much more freedom than I had, he always told me a woman's worth is not what goes on between her legs. I mean, he told me that since the age of 15. I think that was also a huge part in why I never viewed it like how many other women in my culture do. When I grew up, I didn't look at someone who engaged in sex and thought less of them. What I would judge was when I knew that that person was doing it for the wrong reasons. This is part of such a broader discussion that I hope to keep on going with my episodes. I want to talk more about shame in our culture, especially with women and what we can do to help stop it. 
Those who are my age, we have the power to teach our boys how to respect women and their bodies. And we have the power to teach our girls what it means to be respected. A couple years ago, I used to get annoyed of people's strong religious beliefs about this topic because oftentimes I felt like it came with judgment of others. But what I've come to hate even more is people making you feel like having your own set of values and morals is not being progressive to society. It's like your belief, if it isn't that no one should have beliefs, then you're being regressive. In my opinion, it's absolutely ridiculous and really not setting a good foundation for the generations to come. I don't know, maybe I sound way too pretentious over here or like my way's the right way, which I don't want to come off like that. This again, this whole episode was just my opinion and my views. And, you know, some people may agree and some people may not. My intentions are never to offend anyone. But, you know, I do think a lot about the future and I, I have younger cousins and I want kids of my own. So I like to think about things that I would practice or preach to my kids. I mean, I mentioned this in my first episode. This is what this whole podcast is about. Me reflecting a lot on how I was raised, the values I was taught and, you know, what I choose to take with me in my future and what I choose to leave behind. So with that said... I think I said the word sex way too many times, more than I'm comfortable with, so I should end it here. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so if you have any, DM me, please. And if you absolutely hate me after this, then don't tell me and keep it to yourself. Just kidding. Not really. Okay. Catch y'all later, housewives and househusbands in training.